0: the truth news network a sitting president blames the unvaccinated for the outbreak of a virus but the outbreak is among the vaccinated a vaccine maker announces their 98 percent effective vaccine is nowhere near as effective as they
1: claimed and now booster shots for life how does this happen it happens in the absence of truth
0: dnn the truth news network
1: brings it to clarity with dan newman and just because we thought it was safe to come out of the house, we find out there's a new sheriff in town, yes, a new COVID variant, something else that has already been begun being used to terrify people on earth. Hey there. We'll get into all that in just a few minutes, but I just want to say I hope you had a very, very good holiday, Thanksgiving day, and I hope you you shared it with friends and family members, and that you didn't eat too much, but uh, that you spend a lot of time laughing and cutting up and catching up on things. You know, this is the time of year where many of us catch up with our family members and friends that we maybe we see only this time of the year. For many years, my uh, only brother, older brother, four years older than me, lived in uh, Texas uh, our mother lived in Lafayette, Louisiana, and uh, the only time we ever really got a chance to get together, every Thanksgiving, we would make the trek, the Newman family, and the other Newman family, and would would meet at our mother's in Lafayette. We always caught up. You know, we get so involved in our own world. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what we do. But it's so easy to forget about other people even those that are part of our immediate families. And so I always look at the Thanksgiving Christmas time of year as a time to catch up, as a time to reflect uh, a time when we can look back, but at the same time we can look ahead, find ways to make things better. Maybe find things to not allow things that uh, shouldn't happen, but they do. And they did and do happen based upon our choices we try to get those things out of our lives and put them to the side. It's a great time of year if we make it a great time of year. It'll be just as good and just as bad as we allow it to be labeled. Now, let me just say this. Everybody's perception of something is not automatically identical. I know there are people on planet Earth that if they had what I had, they would be ecstatic. They would feel like they were filthy rich. And then there's me. I sit here and I look at others around me that are way better off than I am. But you know what? How we determine how we're doing in the circumstances in which we find ourselves, it's not what other people think. It's what we think. Nobody can know everything about you but you. Nobody can understand your life circumstances but you and anybody else that might be in the same set of circumstances along with you. So, novel idea. Why don't we just do this? Why don't we just be thankful for the circumstances that we're in? And yeah, those circumstances may be full of negatives and often they are. I get that. But there's a way out of it. We're not in this alone unless we choose to be. God's always there. He's got a plan for each and every one of us. And if we build on our personal relationships with God, whatever status they are, if we build on that and build on it with conversations and communications with God and other uh, like-minded people that can speak into our lives and give us maybe input, good input, and then we reconcile that input into the circumstances of our lives and our personal relationship with God, we're going to be fine, folks. We're going to be fine. You know you hear that thing, state of mind. I understand what it's all about. That is part of a process to try to get Americans to understand who we are and how we feel and why we feel that way. It's very subjective, but let me tell you this. Where it is not subjective is in the facts as they play out. Deal with the facts, folks. That's my advice to you. The Christmas season, it's a lot of fun in many ways. I love it. Through the years, Christmas has been really important to me. It was on December twenty-second, 1969. My dad walked out three days before Christmas and left mom and I. In a small town in South Louisiana, my older brother had already moved on. He was in the military, was in California in the Navy. Didn't directly impact him. I was 16. That's a tough time, folks, when those kind of circumstances happen. And typically what we as humans do is we relate and always tie our feelings to circumstances, good or bad. Just look back at your life. What are some of the really fun memories that you have? Where were you? Who were you with? What was going on? We all have those. I mean, I got to be honest with you. A lot of the good things in my life have happened at places where I squish really white sand between my toes and it's balmy. The wind's blowing and the water is crystal clear. I love the beach. I'm not a surfing guy I'm not a get in deep sea fishing guy I just love to be there and look at and just revel in the beauty of white sand and crystal blue and clear water and the sound of the waves my family will tell you we are ever since our kids were little I mean Caleb was still in diapers and he's 40 what is Caleb he's 41 years old um Every summer, we'd go to the beach. Whether it was Fort Walton Beach or Destin, Florida or Gulf Shores, Alabama, we were in the water on the beach, white sand. The first day or two that we were there on a week vacation, I was missing in action. And we always got condos that were looking down over the beach onto the water. And I found that I could sit up there and read Sitting out on a balcony with a ceiling fan going, listening to the waves crash on the shore. I could read, I could think, I could pray, and I could sleep. <laughs> There's nothing better than an afternoon nap. Sitting up, watching the waves, listening to the waves, and sleeping, catching a nap. All that being said, you've got those places in your life. Relish them. And relish Think about the times that you spent with others that you dearly love and the good things that came out of those. You make a choice. I make a choice. What are we going to concentrate our thoughts on, our memories on? Whichever of those we choose. I could incessantly think about the horrors and the bad feelings that I had when my dad did what he did and the family exploded. That could consume me, and many of us let that happen. I'm not trying to be cavalier and tell you that I got through that whole thing unscathed. I'm 68 years old. Not a day goes by that that process, all of it that played out, crosses my mind at least. I don't just let it consume me and take up my thought process for a very long period of time. That's dangerous. You don't want to go there. I don't want to go there, so I don't. But it's, it's our choices. All of this is our choices. So look ahead at December 25th, and I encourage you to think about those you'll be with. Think about what they're dealing with in their lives. You may not know, and I know certainly we don't know everything about everybody, even immediate family members. Moms, you don't know everything about your kids. Dad's the same way. I don't know everything going on in my wife's mind. And she doesn't know everything going on in my mind. That's not what I'm talking about. Share the common things. Concentrate on the common things. And look for the best instead of doing the oh me, the sky is falling. And it it's it's wise to even do that when we are actually mired in horrible circumstances. We've got to deal with the circumstances. I'm not trying to tell you to forget about or don't think about them, you know, and if you don't, that that's like, they aren't there. They really are there. I'm telling you, look for the best way, the best part, and just honestly seek humbly, but seek to find the right answers, the right solutions for any of those things. Wow, we've got a lot of things to talk about this morning. We've got a new big, bad COVID-19 variant in the world. We want to get right into that show. And let me tell you, anytime during this show, it's Friday. Many of you are not working, or maybe it's a little more casual where you're working. You may be sitting at your desk with earbuds in. I'm glad you joined us. Never take you for granted. I'm glad you're here. And what we do here for the newbies that may be showing up for the first time, and I'm, I know pretty much every day we have people that haven't been here before, or maybe haven't been here in a long time. What we do here is we, we sink our teeth into things that are truthful, facts that we can find regarding the most important things that Americans are going through. We can't find it all. We can't talk about it all, and often we inject our opinions. But you always know when that happens It's our opinion. We make it very clear. We don't just think our opinions are factual just because they're our opinions. We find the facts. And sometimes there are many things going on out there that we hear are important or we hear they're factual. And at first blush, we're not able to verify they are factual. We'll tell you that. Hey, this is an important thing that you need to know about. Haven't been able to verify it yet. But just letting you know we're on the track. We'll let you know if and when we find out if it's real or if it's not. We'll just let you know. And so one of those things just crept into our eyes and minds overnight last night. And boy, the repercussions of it have already happened. Global stocks and oil prices this morning have tumbled. And I mean, the the stock markets just opened up 12 minutes ago. What's going on? South Africa found a brand-new, fast-spreading COVID variant, and the European Union has proposed suspending air travel from Southern Africa to Europe. Global stocks' oil prices, they tumbled after that fast-spreading COVID variant, and the European Union proposed s- suspending air travel from South Africa. London's benchmark fell 3%, Tokyo Shanghai, Frankfurt and Hong Kong also down sharply futures for the Dow Jones industrial average dropped more than 2%. What's doing it folks. It's not facts. No, no, no. We don't know anything about this new variant. We don't know really how and when it first made its uh, arrival, I guess, first to South Africa. We don't know any of that yet, but yet here's what we do as Americans. When we hear something that we feel based upon our past and the circumstances with which we're still dealing with and have been for two years, we jump to conclusions and we think the worst. Now, I don't want to minimize the fact that this new COVID thing probably is going to be another big bad animal that we're going to have to find ways to deal with. But you know what? I have confidence and faith that the American people Oh, and listen to this. Let me add a caveat to that. When I said the American people, I'm including those quote unquote experts in the mix, but I'm not I didn't say we're going to be all right when those experts figure out what to do and tell us what to do. That's not what I said. I don't think that's the case. We get all sorts of opinions from these COVID experts that come from the altar of whoever the COVID God or gods are. One of them we know that's in that loop is Dr. Anthony Fauci. I'm talking about the American people. I trust the American people to have the ability and the will to find facts on anything and everything to do with COVID-19. Right before the show this morning, I got a, a call from one good friend. And uh, they and their family are about to have to make a decision regarding COVID-19 vaccine. If this hadn't hit you yet, folks, it's going to. And what is about to happen is this family is about to decide to either not get vaccinated or lose a very, very good, very lucrative job. Because the employer, it's in the healthcare industry, and as you know, The COVID-19 federal um, mandate, not so much mandate, but order by the president is for all federal employees and any medical entity that accepts treating and compensation for Medicare and Medicaid patients, any employee in that operation must be vaccinated. And so it's easy just to push that off and say, hey, that's just the way it is. You got to do what you got to do. But when you have strong convictions and the facts, the things that you have investigated for yourself, and you found out they may not be what the experts maintain, what do you do? Do you go with the flow? Huh. You know what I told him in the phone call? I can't make that decision for you. You're armed with facts. If you come here, folks, you've got all the facts, both sides. You see the good, you see the bad, and then the other one, the ugly. It's all rolled into one. You must discern for yourself what to do, and it's not just in this one situation. It's in every area of our life. Fortunately, we're Americans, and we pretty much have that thought process and decision-making process. We got it down, and it's been pretty easy. Yeah, we have to make some tough choices every once in a while, really tough. I mean, not you know not whether to have chicken or steak, not talking about that at all, but something that is really important may change our lives, may not, may change the lives of others, but it may not. But very seldom do we face one decision like this that's this important that could be impactful to me personally for the rest of my life. And it could impact the rest of my life negatively. We just don't know. So my answer is, trust God. Trust God. He's got a lot of instructions about how we should handle very controversial things. And that includes COVID-19 and that includes COVID vaccinations. Sometimes you've got to stop taking the opinions of others to use to make your opinions and draw them on your own research, your own prayers, and the answers that you get from God about the answers. And he's going to give you a piece about whatever decision you make in every situation if you allow his input. That's the big thing. Do we allow God to give us his opinion and then him know that we're going to abide by what he tells us? The answers are there, they're always there. It's just, are we listening? So what little bit do we know about this new variant? Well, it's got a name, it's called B11529. It's already prompted emergency meetings today, as a matter of fact, going on right now in the World Health Organization. So here's a few things we already do know about it. One, a team of scientists from seven different universities in South Africa that team is working to learn more about it and are studying 100 whole genomes of the mutation. Secondly, the variant was first identified in Botswana earlier this month but may have contributed to a jump in COVID cases in South Africa. Third, the variant has a high number of spike mutations that could affect transmissibility and immune response. Ravendra Gupta a professor of clinical microbiology at the University of Cambridge said that, where they are really looking into this in the laboratory diligently. Fourth, the B11529 variant has been found in Botswana, Hong Kong, and also South Africa. Five, this new variant is considered the most significant one yet, and scientists are working to see if it renders vaccines less effective. Six, one scientist described the mutation as horrific in an interview overnight with the BBC. 7. Tulio de Oliveira, the director of South Africa's Centers for Epidemic Response and Innovation, told one news outlet that the variant has an unusual constellation of mutations. For example, the Delta variant, he said, had two mutations to its receptor binding domain. This one, has 10 of those 8. There are anecdotal reports of cases in vax people and reinfections but health officials said more investigation is needed 9. The WHO is meeting right now to try to figure out if the mutation is a variant of interest the variant could be named and listen to this new and that's not N-E-W it's N-U that's all we know But that's all that the experts have told us another variant it's a virus folks it's a virus so what are we going to do are we going to choose to be fearful well let me just give you a little tidbit of history to remind you about something you know that flu thing the good old everyday household flu how many variants of the flu have we experienced over the last well during this century how many Six, seven, eight, nine, ten? I'm not sure, but we know there are a bunch of them. And they've developed from a period of years of laboratory, human trials, all those kinds of normal scientific medical research operations about how to treat, fight against bacteria and against viruses through the year. We've learned when the variant happens, you find a way to kick it. So that's why you are being asked not to get just one flu vaccination for life, but pretty much every year. Why is that? All these variants come out. And this apparently is another one of those. All of the circumstances, folks, uh, I can't answer. I don't know anything yet. In fact, I've just told you everything that I know so far about it, and it's word of mouth. That's secondhand information for you. All I can say is stay tuned. We'll find out as much as we can. We'll try to get the doctors that you've heard here frequently back on the air as soon as possible to uh, give us some more specific scientific information about it. So stay tuned there. Meanwhile, United Kingdom has banned flights from six African countries this morning because of this COVID strain. It's planning to stop air travel from South Africa to counter the spread of a new COVID variant. That's all across Europe the last thing we need is to bring a new variant that will cause even more problems. That was German Health Minister Jens Spahn. EU Commission President Ursula von der Leyen said in a statement that she proposes in close coordination with the member states to activate the emergency brake to stop air travel from those southern African countries in the South Africa region. The new variant has been detected there. They don't know anything about it yet. Germany said that uh, von der Leyen's proposal could be enacted as soon as tonight. Spahn said airlines coming back from South Africa will only be able to transport German citizens home. Travelers will need to go into quarantine for two weeks, whether they're vaccinated or not. Meanwhile, Germany. Germany has seen new record daily case numbers in the last few days and passed the mark of 100,000 deaths from COVID yesterday. A fourth spike of the COVID virus is hitting the 27-nation EU really hard. Governments are scrambling to tighten up their restrictions are doing everything they can to contain the spread. The flight ban came in the wake of similar actions from Britain yesterday. The UK announced it was banning flights from South Africa and five other southern African countries starts at noon today and that anyone who had recently arrived from those countries got to get a COVID test. UK Health Secretary Sajid Javid said there were concerns the new variant may be more transmissible than the dominant Delta strain and the vaccines that we currently have may be less effective against it. You know, when we hear these kind of things from these experts, I get it, I understand. Their job is to prepare us for all the medical issues out there that we are either going to face, maybe we'll face, or maybe we won't. But let me tell you what it seems with this COVID-19 from the very beginning, what it seems to me about these so-called experts. They always come out. and When they come out from the very beginning, they go immediately to the worst-case scenario. I reject that way of thinking about everything. We don't hear anything about the stuff. Now, they've already declared this new variant is going to be horrible. It's going to be, it looks like, more transmissible. But they're speculating. And they tell you in a loose kind of way, we're speculating, we don't know yet. It's one thing. To inform somebody to get prepared for something that may be going on. But it's another thing to go straight to, OMG, if we don't do this or that, we're probably gonna die. They never say probably, they always say it's a good chance you're gonna die. It's gonna get, you're gonna get it, you're gonna die. I wonder why COVID has turned into that. I don't ever remember any other thing that took us right there. I remember, I mean, I was in the fifth grade when we started having these nuclear bomb drills during school hours and a bell would go off. A siren would go off over the intercom and we were instructed exactly what to do immediately. And it involved getting on the floor under our desk. But when they did that, they made it very clear from the beginning, it was to prepare for a possibility they never said it was to prepare for what's coming or it's a probability. They said, oh, it might happen, but just in case it does, we want everybody to be prepared. It's a whole different attitude at the top now in the medical infrastructure, the hierarchy, the bureaucracy of healthcare worldwide. Now, I'm not saying that every person, every doctor, every EP, epidemiologist or virologist, I'm not saying anything at all about they're all in the tank or they're evil or any of that. I'm not stating that at all. I'm just saying what you hear and read about all of this stuff, healthcare related right now, it almost every time without exception, it immediately goes to the worst case scenario. I would have loved to have had somebody get on the front of this when it first came out. And don't dare think that it just came out on Thanksgiving Day, the information about it. It had been happening for days, if not weeks. There are people on the planet that know today pretty much how bad it's going to be. Instead of preparing us and giving us news and information from which we can make educated decisions, The fear comes first. Now, why are you saying that, Dan? I'm just trying to get you to think about everything. Instead of, you know, walking straight in and this morning you hear a news story and you get a story about something that could be bad, but the report that you get doesn't say it could get bad. It said it's going to be easier, much easier transmissible, And it could be more deadly. So what do you do? (laughs) You get on the floor under your desk and stay there until we tell you it's okay to come out. I'm telling you, we're watching, we're digging, we're going to be talking. Dr. Peter McCuller, um, several of the other physicians we've had on this show, we'll, we'll get them back when they know and get some facts that they can tell us. So just stay close. Pay attention to what we do and also make sure you look at the stories that are published every day at truthnewsnet.org because you hear pretty regularly some really informed people in healthcare giving us some updates on actual factual information about all this stuff. What about our president? What about President Biden and what's going on in his life and his leadership of the nation? I got to be honest with you. We're going to take our first break in a minute. Before we do, I want to tell you, I got into not a Facebook war. I don't do that. And um, I don't spend a lot of time on Facebook every day. As you know, because of truthnewsnet.org, we post the stories or links to our stories every day when they're up. We have about 5,000 Facebook friends. And uh, they're friends because they have some commonality with us, at least news and information commonality and we want to make sure they know the stories up with the link and we have thousands of people i mean tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of people that access that information every day that's a good thing because people are hungry for facts but i i, I got kind of uh, confronted overnight by um somebody on facebook that just really ripped me because of the story that was published on Wednesday. On Wednesday. And it was pertaining specifically to Joe Biden being pointed to as the purveyor of much of the the uh, policies that have caused our massive inflation and the price of energy to skyrocket and uh, all kinds of negative things that have been happening. Basically, the claim was... It's stupid to even point to Joe Biden as being responsible for this. He was only in office for a few months. He didn't have time to initiate any of this crud that's happening. It had to be coming. Probably much of it was inevitable because of the COVID vaccination and uh, the vaccines being out there and do they work, don't they work, and should we have another major lockdown, mask up or not, vax or not, all those quandaries that Americans find themselves in that was the deciding factor and basically took the position of how can you think one man could be at the top and instigating all of this stuff? Let me tell you what my response to that, that thought process and I think you probably know before I even say it. The most powerful person on the planet is always the president of the United States of America. Why is that person considered to be that important? Well, because the job that they're authorized to do and therefore the job they do and the power of making decisions and pushing buttons and not pushing buttons are held solely in their minds and in their hands. I consider that person to be the most powerful person on earth. And that's Joe Biden. Whether or not he's the one that makes these decisions, I'm not going to say it's immaterial, but I'm going to say the decisions are being made, and I'm not going to speculate any more about that. His decisions, whether they're his or not, he adopted them, and he instigated them, and a lot of those decisions have led to some really bad things happening to all of us. Nobody, nobody that has any legitimate thought of reason can say otherwise just look at the facts if it quacks and waddles it's always a duck when you plant watermelon seeds watermelons grow so joe's out there duck hunting and he's hearing quacks all around him and he's still looking for a duck he doesn't take he doesn't take as part of his thought process that the quacking that he is hearing is from a duck And he's planting a bunch of watermelon seeds and he's telling the American people every day, including all through the holidays so far, remotely from that billionaire's home that he and Jill are staying at for a week, he tells everybody everything's okay. All we got to do is do what I said to do, pass the bills. Let me sign them into law and everybody's going to be good. We're going to be fine. Forget about all that other stuff going on. We're going to take care of it. And my response to the person that was talking to me was, just look at what's happened in 10 months. Look at the horrible things we're dealing with. Do you know that we're on track under the first year of Joe Biden? He's going to, on his watch, see the number of American deaths from COVID be more than during Trump's last year in office. And he's going to eclipse the death, the mortality record that Trump had during his administration in one year. Joe's going to pass that mark before his first year is up. Nobody talks about that. Does that kind of stuff just happen? Well, no. You remember what he told us was going to. I'm going to kick COVID's butt. I'm going to take the nation away from COVID fear. We're going to get these vaccines out there in record numbers And then they started immediately talking about everything bad that happened on Donald Trump's watch. Vaccines, great. Vaccines were great. Don't talk about the fact that there's never been a vaccine that's been brought to the marketplace. Never in history brought to the marketplace in less than a year. Say what you want. Think what you want about the vaccinations themselves. I have my opinions and you've heard them here. You've read the stories that I've written. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the process. So what does Joe do? Well, they begin to have some uh, distribution problems. And so what does he do? He goes on television from the White House, the briefings very early on right after he was inaugurated. Remember that? And he says we've got we there was no distribution plan that was handed to us by the Trump administration. Not only was there a a manual that we published at truthnewsnet.org that was put in production was prepared by the Biden excuse me the Trump officials in DHS by September of 2020 and was published the entire distribution process was already set in place our military were going to be the transporters they had set up provisions in clinics and hospitals all around the country to coordinate all that i don't want to tell anybody about that When they see a hiccup that happens on their watch, what is the default thing they do? Blame the predecessor. So he blamed Trump for that little glitch, and he did it in a very stupid way, saying there was no distribution process in place when they took office. That's just one example. But see, that does not describe what a leader does. A leader examines continually the landscape of, what's going on on their watch i mean from top to bottom now i get it not one person can come close to doing everything a u.s president has to do it takes a lot of people there are a lot of moving parts but what a good manager does is manage and a good manager understands i don't have all of the knowledge necessary to be able to do everything the right way I don't have the physical or mental ability or the time to do that solo. So what a good manager does, he finds people that in many cases are smarter than him or her, knows more about specific things than he or she does, and brings them into the puzzle, brings their expertise to the table, and creates an atmosphere in which everybody that is in similar positions in that management process can share ideas, can question each other, maybe revise and refine those processes, and by the time they're rolled out, they're the best possible processes that could ever be devised. That's what good leadership is. This president doesn't have a clue about that. How do I know that? Just look at what has happened. The supply chain issue, it was an issue on January 20th, the day that Biden was inaugurated president. Never spoke about it, never did anything about it, never even brought it up until 45 days ago when it really got bad. And then Gensakis marched out to tell us all, oh, we've been working on this from the beginning, even before we took office. The supply chain issue, we're working on it. Never have presented a plan to us never have told us what they did, and you know why? Leadership would have dictated a plan, create a plan, bring people in to help create the plan, get the best plan. They never did that, and I'm not sure they have as of yet. What he did do on day one, cancel the XL pipeline permit. On day two, stop the drilling on federal lands that have been going on for generations where a huge amount of our energy is and was produced. American energy companies have billions of dollars of investment that are laying on the ground. They can't use them now because of what Joe Biden did. It's kind of like that fence. We've got billions of fence material laying along our southern border that we've already paid for. And guess what's happening? It's rusting. Not being used, and according to this president, it's not going to be used. Can't be used for anything else. Where are you going to put a wall up? Somewhere else. That's not leadership, folks. But the big thing right now, in my mind, it's not this new COVID variant yet. I know, and I trust, I know personally people that are out on the front line that know what they're doing, and we'll find out, and we'll get that information when it comes out. But I'm not going to jump the gun and go, oh my gosh, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. Just know it's out there and we'll get facts. And a good leader informs the people that he leads, he or she leads, that that's the way we're going to operate and then does it. This energy thing, you know, I don't know everything about the energy industry. I've owned property that we produced. We drilled and produced gas and oil wells. I've been there on the operator side on a very limited scale. And so I know it from there. And when I went through that process for several years, I learned a lot about the commodities market. We were selling our natural gas. We were selling our oil when it came out of the ground. That's what you do. Joe Biden doesn't have a clue about any of that. If he did, he would speak to the facts that he knows personally. So what do we do here? We turn to experts senator barrasso did just that in the committee hearing on wednesday i want you to hear this there are some energy experts that appeared before this senate committee and they were talking about what has has already happened and where we're headed in our energy production and why here's barrasso and several other members of that committee And these experts testifying.
2: Thanks, Mr. Chairman. Following up on your eliminate versus innovate, uh, Mr. Bryce, for years, Democrats in Congress and environmental activists have lobbied banks, lobbied the banks to deny loans to oil and gas producers. Uh, On day one of the administration, President Biden joined joined their efforts. Uh, He restricted oil and gas permitting. He ended oil and gas leases on federal lands and waters. And we're now reaping the consequences of these policies. WILL RESTRICTING LOANS TO AMERICAN OIL AND GAS PRODUCERS SOLVE THE ISSUE OF CLIMATE CHANGE?
0: NO, SIR, IT WON'T. IT WILL REDUCE uh, EXPLORATION and PRODUCTION IN THE UNITED STATES um, AND THEREFORE uh, POTENTIALLY LEAD TO HIGHER PRICES AND CERTAINLY more, MORE IMPORTED OIL.
2: SO WILL CHOKING OFF ACCESS TO OUR NATION'S OIL AND GAS RESOURCES SOLVE CLIMATE CHANGE? NO, SIR. AND WOULD YOU PLEASE DISCUSS THE ECONOMIC CONSEQUENCES OF TRYING TO END OIL AND GAS PRODUCTION HERE IN THE UNITED STATES?
0: Well, I'm, I'm a native of Tulsa, which for about 20 minutes was known as the oil capital of the world. Um, I think that title is now clearly Houston, Texas. But if we uh, kill the domestic oil and gas industry, many of which are small producers, um, that it, with a few, uh, uh, few individuals running what are known as stripper wells, it not only reduces overall uh, crude and, and, and gas production in the U.S., it will result in higher unemployment. And, and for many uh, uh, towns and small towns in Oklahoma, Texas, Louisiana, New Mexico, it could be a devastating blow. So uh, there's no free lunch, sir.
2: Um, I, I do want to put something into the record. Today, the Business Wire published an article titled, Banning Exports of U.S. Crude Oil Would Likely Raise Gasoline Prices, Not Lower Them. This according to Kurt Barrow, who is vice president of IHS Markets, said, without the ability to export U.S. crude, you enter a situation where there is a tighter global market. goes on to say, this would lead to supply chain and processing inefficiencies and possibly even higher gasoline prices as a direct result of the export ban. I, without, yes, unanimous consent to enter this article into the record, and I see no objection at this point. <laughs>
0: Um, sir, if I could ma- build on Mr. Nally's point, is that, that part of that is the mismatch between domestic crude quality and the and the crudes that are, are suited for American refineries? And I think he made that point well.
2: The um, f- for all witnesses is going to be I'm going to ask to raise your hand. One on day one of the administration, President Biden killed the Keystone XL pipeline. No surprise there. I mean, he made a lot of press about it. He very proudly did that. The Keystone XL pipeline would have brought oil from Canada to the mid to the Midwest and the Gulf Coast. Uh, And now President Biden is considering shutting down the Line 5 pipeline, which currently ships oil from Canada uh, to Michigan. Meanwhile the administration has repeatedly begged the OPEC cartel and Russia to produce more oil. Any of you believe it's in the best interest of the United States to import more oil from OPEC and Russia and less from Canada? Nobody record reflect no one has raised their hand. Uh, Mr. Gold, I just had a couple of of final questions before uh, we end, if if you could. The the European Union does rely on Russia for about half of its natural gas supply. Uh, The number is expected to grow once the Nord Stream 2 pipeline begins shipping natural gas. Do you agree that U.S. liquefied natural gas provides our allies, especially those in Europe, a critically important alternative to Russian natural gas? Yes, I do believe that. And would you discuss just some of the benefits that U.S. liquefied natural gas provides Europe? I think it provides optionality. And optionality is incredibly important when you are negotiating with existing suppliers, uh, when you go into those negotiations knowing that uh, you have the possibility to seek alternative sources of supply if those negotiations uh, don't work out. I I think um, together with the integration of the European gas market, That's been uh, a a very important force uh, in in helping the uh, sort of competitive and open uh, European gas market emerge in recent years. And then would you agree that U.S. liquefied natural gas exports then have helped America's allies and trading partners truly reduce their greenhouse gas emissions? I think in many cases you'll see that um, increased gas use in recent years has displaced more carbon-intensive fuels um, you've seen, um, you've seen that in Europe, you've seen that in some other countries around the world. And of course you've seen it, uh, in the United States of America.
1: And what I, I take away from that conversation, just limited. How long was that? Four minutes. Let's see. That was, uh, four and a half minutes. What I take from that little snippet was these are experts from the oil and gas industry and the oil and gas industry is very, very intricate in so many different sectors and, not, and thoughts and things that it takes real experts to make it make it work. And I don't think there's anybody knowledgeable on the planet that will say or will intimate that the United States does not have those kind of experts that have been doing it and doing it in their sleep for decades. And it works pretty well. Last October, we were the highest producing country on the planet regarding energy. We were exporting our energy to other countries because we had, for the first time in a generation, had become energy independent here. And it wasn't just because of carbon fuel. The climate activists want to make it that. It wasn't that at all. It was a combination. Yeah, carbon energy, but very fuel-efficient carbon energy Uh, Energy that had come to the idea because of innovation here in America, which is liquefying natural gas, which burns far more efficiently than does oil and oil byproducts, direct products, liquid products. Joe Biden has shut it down. In southwest Louisiana, uh, Trump actually came down for the grand opening of a massive liquid national gas plant that was liquefying natural gas and sending billions and billions of barrels and whatever they keep this liquid natural gas in around the world because it is much more environmentally friendly than are some of the other carbon products. And companies around the world and countries were going crazy making a transition to LNG. Biden shut that industry down. No research, no experts coming in. This, it, it, this was an example of what I was talking about, what real experts do, what real leaders and managers do. They get everybody that's involved in the possibilities of the inner workings of such an industry as this. They get them around the table. They get scientists around the table and you ask questions, you listen to answers and you make your opinions based on the facts as determined after all of the so-called evidence is put on the table. That did not happen here. You know how I know it didn't happen? Absolutely. This will prove the idiocy, idiocy of the energy policies that are in place right now in this administration. We're going to shut down the carbon fuel industry. Oil and gas, we're going to shut it down. There won't be any of that in a decade or so. But you know why it's idiotic to even think that is something that you should say, yet alone try to do? You don't have the replacements in place. You don't have the ability, and there is no foreseeable point yet, if it ever does come, in which you can flip that proverbial switch and go from carbon to renewable energy and take care of our energy needs. Meanwhile, all of our energy needs go up every day, every month. So what do we have to draw from that we're drawing from right now? A combination of nuclear, which, by the way, is zero emission. We have nuclear, which the climatologists are dead set against because the bomb, there will be explosions. It's the cleanest energy source, the least expensive energy source on the planet, but they will not have it. So we have to X that out as an alternative. So what do we have left? Wind, solar, and electric. That's it. They don't want to talk about the fact that most of our electricity is created using fossil fuels, (laughs) coal and natural gas. Our power plants around the nation almost exclusively create electricity from burning coal. (laughs) This is insane. But that's the way this thought process that has permeated the left – If you got a better deal and a better plan, I'm all for it. I would love to be able to have energy that was totally efficient, environmentally safe, no emission whatsoever, and was cost-effective. I would love that. But until that exists, don't destroy our other energy sources. Well, he's not doing that, Dan. That's what the Facebook conversation was about. He's not destroying that. That's exactly what he's doing. Anybody that says otherwise is lying to you. How can I say that? Because he makes it clear. I remember one, um, I don't even think he planned on it. There was some place he was speaking and there were young children and it was based around energy stuff. And on microphone, he goes over and leans over in this little girl's ear and he tells her, I promise you. I'm going to destroy and end the fossil fuel energy sector while I'm still president. He'll never be able to do that, but it's just the thought that he thinks that's something that should even be considered, yet alone that he's going to be the one to be able to do it. Or even why would you get rid of the fossil fuel stuff? Go for it, but you got to replace everything in that infrastructure from top to bottom first so you can flip a switch. That means jobs, jobs. You remember what he told us? You remember that came out of the Oval Office on January 20th when he so proudly canceled the XL pipeline permit and he was asked about where are those people going to go to work? And he said, there are plenty of good-paying jobs in the clean industry, industry, they just need to go make a job application. A real leader, if that was even a plausible thing being considered, would have all of that job stuff worked out before he shut down the jobs of the people that were going to be out of work. And most of those people still are.
3: What do you want a dot at all? I don't know. What do y'all think we should da da da?
4: Well, what did we die yesterday?
3: Mm, yesterday. All oh, the dolls feel like the same doll these dolls? I know. Like, is ta da Monday or Tuesday? today is Thursday. <gasps> oh no, I forgot to call my mom and her birthday. Oh no! No!
0: These days,
2: nothing is normal and everything is weird. But you could still save big when you switch to progressive. That won't change. Not ta da or any da. Quote
0: to da at progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.
1: What happens when a young singer gets to cut a track with an R&B star? Yo! Or a young activist gets to chop it up with their hero? Oh,
5: snap! You get McDonald's Black and Positively Golden Mentors, the series elevating the next generation of changemakers. Each episode, a must-see passing of the torch between the culture leaders of today and the young leaders of tomorrow. Check out Black and Positively Golden Mentors on Instagram at wearegolden. Look out, world. We got it from here.
3: So it's this beautiful summer day And while most guys would say let's go to the beach Donnie says Hey,
5: let's go to Pilgrim Furniture in Mattress City They're having a warehouse sale
3: I say, are you serious? He says
5: Your place needs furniture And at this sale you can get beautiful stuff And save 50, 60, even 80% So we
3: go to the Pilgrim Warehouse Sale I buy a sofa, a love seat And this really cute dinette set But the big thing is We pick it out together Donnie and me Maybe this relationship is going somewhere. The Warehouse
5: Sale at Pilgrim Furniture in Mattress City. No way. Taco Bell's Toasted Cheddar Chalupa is back. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? They, they toasted, toasted six-month-old-age six cheddar, cheddar right, right onto, onto the shell, shell of a chalupa? chalupa. That's, That's genius, genius. No, no delicious, no both, and now it comes in, in a box with a crunchy taco, taco cinnamon twist and a medium Whoa. drink? Whoa. Oh, sorry, this is, this is messed up. Oh, uh, cool. We're all thinking it. The $5 Toasted Cheddar Chalupa box is back. Only at Taco Bell. Head limited to participating your locations for a limited time only. Contact local store for prices, hours, and participation which vary. Tax extra, excludes freezes.
1: I'm going to be the, um, the engineer world. on the love train today. How about that? Find somebody anybody today and just tell them, hey, listen, I'm glad you're part of the planet, I'm glad you're part of my life, and I love you. That's the love train. Everybody needs to feel they are loved, regardless of circumstances. We get caught up in the circumstances part. Well, have you heard what happened very quietly during the holiday regarding the Biden administration and their vaccine rule, the OSHA one? Wednesday afternoon, they asked the U.S. Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals to overturn an order from the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeal and reinstate the OSHA vaccine mandate for private businesses with 100 or more workers. Several lawsuits that challenged the OSHA rule, known as an emergency temporary standard and an ETS, were combined into one, and sent to the Cincinnati, Ohio-based Sixth Circuit Court, of which 11 of 16 judges are Republican appointees. Two days after OSHA published that rule, it was supposed to go into effect on January 4th. It still is. The Louisiana-based Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals issued an order blocking the mandate. Last week, in a scathing ruling, the panel of judges there at the Fifth Circuit reaffirmed their previous injunction and wrote that the mandate will likely be declared unconstitutional. But Biden administration hadn't given up. They filed court papers Wednesday, arguing that the Fifth Circuit Court erroneously interpreted the OSHA uh, rule, saying that the speculative compliance cost and similar harms that were asserted by the regulated parties cannot overcome the extraordinary harms to the public interest detailed above. So what does that mean, simply? Well, delaying the standard, they say, the OSHA vaccine standard, would likely cost many lives per day in addition to large numbers of hospitalizations, other serious health effects, and tremendous expenses. That's from some White House lawyers that uh, filed a case. That's a confluence of harms of the highest order. Further, the administration argued the Fifth Circuit's assertion that the mandate would deal significant economic damage to the U.S. is incorrect. COVID-related outbreaks, Biden administration lawyers say, have forced shutdowns of businesses and various institutions, although numerous studies have shown that fully vaccinated individuals play a relevant role in spreading COVID-19. Not only the unvaccinated, but uh, so in the light of this, you may be prone to say, well, why would the Biden folks, why would they keep going in and trying to convince a court not to believe the obvious, you know, the fact things, the statistics that are out there? Why would they do that? Are they stupid? No. No. It all feeds the political process that we all find ourselves living in right now, which is top-down disregard for anything factual that is even factual already and proven if it disagrees with your political narrative. Your political narrative is all that matters. Everybody else basically flip them the middle finger. They don't count. They're even telling these judges at the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. Facts don't matter. It's what we say it is. That's the only thing that matters. And you know what's scariest of it all, folks? These people believe that. They believe that. They believe they have been endowed with some kind of inalienable right to lord over everyone, that we must all just bow down to whatever they say, about anything and everything. We're talking about we don't have the right as parents to talk to school administrators, and we don't have the right to have any input upon what public schools do with our tax dollars, what they teach our kids. They think people are insane for thinking we have that right. And then there's this gender thing. We've got a story coming up in just a little bit You're not going to believe what's happening in the Winter Olympics regarding gender stuff. But biology and everything to do with gender today, according to the left, according to all of these experts, means nothing. All that is required is for you to, I guess, um, put your hand on a Bible or whatever and say, from this point forward, I am going to be this sex And the reason I'm going to be this sex has nothing to do with science or biology. It's because I choose that. Facts about the energy industry don't matter. The geology, the science, none of that matters. Supply chain and transportation models, the cost and the initiation and the penalties that are being paid by the American people because the policies this administration is enforcing and shoving down the throats of America has already lifted our inflation level to the highest in 30 years? And everybody's just supposed to say, okay, y'all go for it. We'll just sit here and do what we're supposed to do. You just keep telling us. A federal appeals court should reject the Biden administration's bid to lift a block on its private employer COVID mandate businesses set in a new filing. Instead, the court was told it should broaden that stay to ensure the administration stops strong arming businesses to comply with the mandate. And this is the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals about all of that. Now at the Sixth Circuit, a bunch of businesses have said now wait a minute, you're, you're hearing what the Biden lawyers are telling you justices at the appeals courts but they don't have the facts and they're not giving you all the story you need to put that stay in place and let it stay there until we can figure out exactly what's going on how can anybody plausibly disagree with that and then the big question and it's probably the 900 pound gorilla in the room why the rush across the nation, around the world, by a so-called group of bureaucratic experts in medicine and politics in every level, I guess. Why are we supposed to ignore what they've told us for two years we must abide by, which is the quote-unquote science in all of this? Why are we supposed to all of a sudden let them change their mind and tell us something totally different? It was full of so-called facts that we heard day after day after day after day. And even then, we questioned it was factual, but we were forced into believing it. Why do they want every person to be vaccinated, even our little kids? I don't have an answer. If I give you one, it would be a supposition, and I'm not going to do that. You're intelligent enough to draw your own conclusions. Just one little Reference back to that Kyle Rittenhouse case before we move on. A retired Navy SEAL and a former FBI agent, a guy named Jonathan Gillum. He wrote a book, Sheep No More, The Art of Awareness and Attack Survival. And he weighed in in an interview yesterday about the way Kyle Rittenhouse acted on August 25th last year. You know, when he so-called slaughtered Two people tried to get a third by shooting them, killed two guys in Kenosha. And this former FBI agent, listen to what he said. Quote, when he had his weapon and he was confronted by these imminent threats of loss of life or serious bodily injury, he engaged in a proper manner to eliminate the threat. The proper and legal manner. You don't see him out there hammering people down, mowing people down. It's when the threat got too close and it posed an imminent threat. He took action. And he went on. He said, Rittenhouse was not praying and spraying in a total reaction. If you look at who these people were that he actually shot and what their actions were and how he was trying to get away and they came after him, everything he did was textbook perfect. Even when he was on the ground, he was not engaging people unless they engaged him. Rittenhouse's control of his firearm was amazing, Gillum emphasized. He held his weapon properly, kept his weapon in his hands when he was getting beat and when he was running. He wasn't sweeping his gun around at people. He didn't drop his gun. He held on to it and maintained positive control the whole time with his finger off the trigger. News media reported that Gillum said leftist riots could have been avoided if tens of thousands of Americans had followed Rittenhouse's lead in defending and protecting the peace and the people, Gillum said Rittenhouse was going to help out a neighborhood that he knew was going to be targeted by violent thugs that burned places down and destroyed businesses and lives. As a matter of fact, we found out after the trial was over the store where. Rittenhouse was standing at the time and walking around, the owners of that store had asked him to protect that store against the rioting and looting that they knew was going to happen. Obviously, the prosecutors in the case didn't bother to bring that up. I'm surprised the defense didn't either. Gillum said that Rittenhouse went there to support those people. If 10,000 people have gone there and done that, none of that stuff would have happened. He added, I commend him even more because he had the guts to go there at 17 years old and go there and try to help others, take care and save their community. He didn't do anything wrong. Now, the videos by the FBI, by the way, their videos of the shooting, his attackers revealed great weapon-handing skills. Rittenhouse did not engage targets that were not presenting an imminent threat of loss of life or serious bodily injury. I heard um, a little bit of Tucker Carlson's live interview with Kyle Rittenhouse the other night. And I gotta be the first thing is, the first thing I noticed, this kid's really smart. He's calm, he's collected. He is obviously very knowledgeable about a lot of things. And I'm sure he knows a little more now, maybe a lot more now than he did two years ago about life in general. But what the interview revealed is even more of what we have heard for two years about Kyle Rittenhouse from everybody, from the legacy media, the state media, whatever you want to call them, the president of the United States, the race racial purveyors of everything right on the view, every other leftist that I can imagine. Cal Rittenhouse was a white supremacist. He was a murderer. He was a vigilante. He was illegal. He brought a gun illegally that he didn't own legally across state lines from Illinois to Wisconsin. Did that illegally. He slaughtered people. He was looking for people. We heard all those things for a year and a half. None of it was true. But in that world, folks, facts don't matter. It just doesn't happen. Facts don't matter. So what else do we have going on today that we need to chat with you about coming up next? We're going to look at the latest debacle, the craziness coming out of the International Olympic committee, specifically regarding the Winter Olympics that are just ahead. You don't want to miss this, folks.
5: We are the college at the forefront of innovative education. We are outstanding faculty teaching in cutting-edge classrooms and facilities. We are students learning powerful skills for tomorrow's workforce. And together... We are Triton. Register today. Whether holding down the fort or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with SunMade snacks, just like when you were a kid. Remember their naturally sweet raisins? Yup, still delicious. And so are other snacks, like creamy yogurt covered raisins, sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar,
4: and made's new s'mores and birthday cake bites. All delicious, all made with whole fruit, sun-made snacks.
5: Today on Hey Culligan, softer equals better. Here's a tweet from Ed Itchy in Idaho. Hey Culligan, my laundry is so scratchy, I just cut myself on a cable knit sweater. Any suggestions? Hashtag send help. Hey at Itchy in Idaho, yes, the Culligan high efficiency water softener will make that thing so soft, it'll go from cable knit to cable knot. Itchy. Hashtag soft laundry. Hashtag already on the way. Get started for as little as $10 a month for six months of participating Culligan Dealers. Have you ever wanted to learn a new language like French, Spanish, or Russian, but thought it would be too difficult and time-consuming? Then go to Babbel.com and try it for free. Babbel works because it's built around real life. It teaches you everyday practical conversations that you will actually use. In 15 minutes a day, you'll be on your way to speaking a new language in just a few weeks. Babbel uses a modern conversation-based technique that makes language engaging, fun, and memorable. Language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babel for free at Babel.com. Just go to Babel.com and start learning a new language today. That's Babel.com. B A B B E L.com.
1: Taking the time to speak the truth no matter the cost. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. A couple of things to mention before we get to that story on the International Olympic Committee. I'm sure you know that every show, every TNN Live show is kept forever in perpetuity. We keep it on our website. At the end of every show, that day's show is posted within five to 10 minutes at the bottom, a link to it anyway, at the bottom of that day's story at truthnewsnet.org. And you can access that link. It's absolutely free. You can listen to it from there or you can even download it. Additionally, Uh, about the same time every day after each show podcast from apple and spotify they grab our show and they post it we actually have within either of those sites you can you can get the uh the apple podcast app when you click on it in the search bar just type in tnn live and it will take you to the home page with the index of every show that we've done in the past few months And there's a uh, little snippet of content information before the link to hit to listen to that show. So if you missed the show or if you want to go back and listen to a specific concept or idea that was discussed during a show, most of the contents are either highlighted in that little explanation of each show so you can go back and find something you're looking for. For instance, I got asked, I guess, yesterday about the interview I did with Roger Stone. I guess that was a couple of months ago. And I said, yeah, it's in the index there. In fact, you just scroll down, and in the explanation of every show, the one that has the interview with uh, Stone, it says so in that index. That's a good way to find it. Same thing with Spotify. Search bar, put TNN Live, go there. You can get them, get them anytime, 24-7 if you want them, or you can always go to Truth News Net." Dot org wanted to tell you about that. And then just uh, early this morning, some disturbing news and information came out. Some more stuff about that Waukesha uh, travesty that happened where six people died and about 60 were hurt when that nut job drove through the crowd and was just mowing down people left and left and right. About 14 years ago, a Milwaukee prosecutor, we found out, It was his office that let Daryl Brooks, the guy driving that car, get off on bail after being charged with murder with a $1,000 bail. That's what they were going to do. Well, this prosecutor was a prophet. 14 years ago, listen to what he said. Quote, Is there going to be an individual that I divert or I put into a treatment program who is going to go out and kill somebody? That D.A. John Chisholm asked that in an interview with the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel in 2007, and he answered his own question. You bet, guaranteed. I guarantee it's going to happen. It does not invalidate the overall approach, though. So a lot of people up there in Wisconsin, where six people have died, more than 40, close to 60, were injured when Brooks' car plowed into that holiday, that Christmas parade. And those parade gores last Sunday, they were just instantaneously shown the world of fear. And those people, every one of them, they doubt that approach that this prosecutor mentioned. He's one of them admitting today that the $1,000 bail upon which his office released Brooks, age 39, for allegedly trying to run over his girlfriend a couple of days ago, last week, before he mowed down these people. And Chisholm is now saying that $1,000 bail that he let Chisholm go for was inappropriately low for a defendant with a lengthy rap sheet dating all the way back to 1999. And, of course, that debate over bail reform, which many on the left have been waging, we got to do away with bail. They don't want cash bail. The debate over that will rage well beyond Brooks' case. There's a whole new generation of progressive prosecutors out there. And guess who is pulling the, their strings? We've carried this now for a couple of years. Billionaire far leftist George Soros. He decided several years ago that he was going to go after the American law enforcement operation nationwide, but he was going to do it this way by impacting Those who are the ones who prosecute so-called wrongdoing in any town, city around the nation. And the way he came up to impact them was picking candidates that were running for these local DAs, handpicking the ones that agree with his political thought process about law enforcement, about incarceration, about jail, about bail, and then he began to dump hundreds of thousands of dollars into their campaigns. So that is feeding this bail reform thing, as well as the defund the police thing. Pending a larger debate on this, police evidence has emerged in the Waukesha case to undercut the early media reports that were fueled by anonymous sources that suggested a fear-driven Brooks may have had mitigating reasons to barrel his SUV through a street crowded by parade revelers and kill six people. Those people say he may have been involved in an earlier domestic altercation involving a knife. But his actions on Main Street, Waukesha, suggest he did it on purpose, driving towards the older dancing grannies and young children maimed by his red SUV that's according to witness statements that are now on record in court one officer identified only as detective Casey in the court filings recounted how Brooks car brushed him and the driver ignored his commands to stop before speeding up a second cop officer Butrin likewise He recounted how he repeatedly demanded that Brooks stop his car but was ignored even as the driver honked his horn. That officer said the car came to a halt just for a moment before rapidly speeding into the crowd in its final fateful moment. The vehicle then appeared to rapidly accelerate as Officer Buterin heard tire squeal. The vehicle took an abrupt left turn into the crowd of parade participants. At this point, it was clear to Officer Buterin that this was an intentional act to strike and hurt as many people as possible. Folks, we can go back and play the what if game over and over and over again. What if these prosecutors, that one that we talked about at the top of this story, what if he had had a reasonable bail? I mean, he was trying to kill his wife, run over her with a car and he gets a $1,000 bail, and he gets to walk, and then he goes and does what he did last weekend. There's just something wrong with that picture. Somebody messed that up. They definitely got it wrong, and people have died. That's got to be fixed, but when you when you control the election process and you control it with money, if that's the way our election system in the United States from top to bottom, federal all the way down to um, small burbs or big cities. If money's going to control law enforcement and who is there and who gets what, not the rule of law controlling it, our nation as we know it is over. It's gone. That's how bad it is. That's where we are right now today. We're making those decisions. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's passe to say, uh, you know, the choice is ours. Everybody's got a right to their own opinion. Those are factual. The choices are ours. But the only other side of this conversation that's even a remote possibility either is we do away with the rule of law we do away with equal justice under the law, we do away with traditional law enforcement as we know it here, and as does every other country on the planet, if we do away with that whole thing, there's only one thing that can replace it, and we've seen it happen in countries before. Anarchy. 100% anarchy. And there are actually people in our nation, folks, that think that's okay, and there are actually people that want it. That's pretty scary. I don't don't even need to tell you this, but it's not really surprising anymore when we hear craziness come out of the International Olympic Committee. Winter Olympics are coming up in China. There are a lot of questions and a lot of uh, angry people about it even being allowed to happen there because of all the egregious things that the Chinese, Chinese Communist Party are doing to their own citizens. We can only imagine what they would do if they grabbed a few U.S. Olympians and tried to use them in some way. And Don't just say that could never happen, folks. This is 2021. That kind of stuff happens every day. Well, there's a, there's a big new one that is being discussed right now, and it's about this transgenderism. And so it came up before, it comes up every day, every month, every year now regarding competition in athletics about transgender people who consider themselves to be transgender and they're biologically male and now they're getting across the world, not just across the country, but across the world, they're getting permission from these authorities to... Compete as men against biological women. And everybody understands and knows there is a huge com- competitive advantage for biological males. And when I say everybody knows it, everybody does. Whether they want to accept it and implement policies from that is another thing. They certainly don't all feel that way. But it's lunacy to look at what happens and come up with any plausible explanation for it being acceptable, for it to be even believable or even considered as a possibility that biological men do not have a competitive advantage over biological women. Well, they, the IOC have come out with the rules, the rules that are going to determine in these Olympics that are coming up all of the requirements for any transgender athlete to do to be able to compete. Listen to this.
5: The International Olympic Committee uh, released their new transgender guidelines in sport. Uh, To tell us all about this is Catherine Deves from who's who's one of the co-founders of the Save Women's Sport Australasia movement. Catherine, great to see you. How are you?
3: Uh, Good morning, Rowan. Good, thank you.
5: So tell us what did the Olympic Committee decide as regards transgender athletes?
3: Well, to get up at 3:45 in the morning and watch the media roundtable and see the world's most powerful sports bureaucrats prostrate themselves on the altar of gender identity ideology in the church of woke and destroy women's sports was really a sight to behold. It was a complete betrayal of women and girls. The women and girls sports category no longer exists. Any male, provided he declares a gender identity, whatever that means, however that's measured, however that's observed, will be entitled to play in women's sports. And the only way that he can be excluded if he has a performance advantage is if the International Sports Federation uh, for that particular sport then goes and proves that he does not have a performance advantage. So the burden of proof is now on women and the sports organizations to prove that biological males do not have a performance advantage over females
5: that's where we're at insane james so hang on just to be really really clear here you are saying that any male born individual who's competing in the olympics all they need to do is self-declare they do not need any sort of medical documentation they do they even need um you know a referral from a gp essentially saying that uh, that this is what's going
3: on no, all he has it to do is. to me. All he has to do is say he has a gender identity, and I mean, what does that even mean? I mean, transgender and gender identity are manufactured concepts. You know, they're untethered from reality. All it is is a self-declaration. So we are going to be seeing. We, we've now abolished. The category of sex in sport and the ioc then said oh well you know these aren't legally binding and it's still a process and we still haven't got the answers but they've taken the position that these men are going to be able to compete and you know don't let's not worry about the women or the little girls or the young women they're asking the entire world to play a game of i love this phrase my friend rex Landy came up with it a game of willful pretend we now have to pretend that men do not have an advantage, that they are on average faster, bigger, stronger, that they have more stamina, that they don't have the benefit of testosterone, which, I mean, let's let's admit it, fellas, like testosterone is a wonder drug and you guys get a dose of it at conception, after birth, throughout childhood, and then obviously it presents um, as children mature into adults and, and boys become men. It is obvious that men have this advantage. I mean, we only have to look at the last century or so, since they started keeping sporting records, to see the performances between men and women to understand there's an advantage. But the IOC is saying to women, oh, now you have to prove it. Now you have to have robust, credible evidence to prove that men have this advantage. Now, when they threw women's sports under the bus in 2015 by allowing men to compete, provided they uh, suppress their testosterone to a level that no biological woman could ever reach, um, they did it on the basis of a, of a little rubbish survey on eight non-elite men, eight men, who, who reported their uh, performances prior to tr- transition and after transition. I mean, that's not credible peer-reviewed research. And, and now they're saying to women, oh, well, you need to go and do all this research to prove it. I mean, the research already exists. So the IOC have completely betrayed women and girls.
1: No doubt about it, folks. The International Olympic Committee has uh, just blistered women from around the world with this understanding that it's up to somebody that thinks one of these transgenderist women that really are biologically men. You got to prove they have an advantage in a competition, or you just have to go race against them, play against them, whatever the sport is. That you have to compete against them or you are disqualified. There are no facts there. There's no science there. But once again, folks, science doesn't really matter in the scheme of all of those who are at the top making all of these decisions in pretty much every part of our lives now. Science doesn't matter. Facts don't matter. It's opinion, and the opinion shapes the policy, the narrative that is acceptable. So if we say it, then it's so. you got to abide by it or you're toast. And every day, folks, more and more of this thought process leaks into the consciousness. It's been there all along, but we really didn't know it. It was bubbling in most cases right below the surface, but it's always been there. And all it is doing is gaining steam and momentum, and it's getting worse and worse and worse Americans we got to wake up we've got to we have no other choice it's either stand up take a position and stay with your position or just give up cave in and let them do whatever they want to do and forget about it
0: real truth real news TNN the truth news network if you
5: think we're just four wheels in a
0: grill think again I love going all-natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, grass-fed beef
5: introducing the all natural burger the first ever in fast food with no antibiotics no added hormones and no steroids only at carl's
2: jr when your cable company keeps you on hold you get angry when you get angry you go blow off steam when you go blow off steam accidents happen when accidents happen you get an eye patch when you get an eye patch people think you're tough when people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call one 800 directv tv
1: join the show, ask a question, make a comment, feel free to do so. Call us toll-free, 1-866-378-7884. That's 866-37-TRUTH. Love to have you. Anytime, you're welcome to contribute and participate. Well, we got some news about the President and uh, some of the things that he's doing, some of the things that he's done, some of the things he's going to do regarding the things he used to do one of those um is about the illegal immigration policies specifically the one where he canceled that remain in Mexico policy from the Trump administration and he was told by the courts Joe Biden was to reestablish the remain in Mexico policy that a president this president any president doesn't have the unilateral authority to make such a thing, a decision to cancel such a program. So they're going to reinstate the Trump remain in Mexico policy. And when they announced it very quietly, though, they uh, they did say this. As we have previously stated, we are required by court order to re-implement stay in Mexico. That doesn't come from the president. It comes from a Department of Homeland Security spokesperson. In compliance with the court order, we are working to re-implement MPP. That's the Migrant Protection Protocols. That's the uh, correct name for the Remain in Mexico policy. And they're doing so, he said, as quickly as possible. We cannot do so until we have the independent agreement from the government of Mexico to accept those we seek to enroll in this program. We will communicate to the court and to the public the timing of the re-implementation when we are prepared to do so. So what does it mean? What does it, what does it do? Well, it was established during the Trump administration. Adult migrants under the, this policy will be given the opportunity to receive a COVID-19 vaccine. That's brand new. That's according to two government immigration officials who spoke to Axios. So basically what the Remain in Mexico policy does, the illegals come in, they're accosted at the border, they are established in our system, given them doing the documentation, the identity checks, all those kind of things. And uh, they make their, or they reveal what their asylum claim is going to be about in order for them to be able to hopefully stay here permanently. That's what their thoughts are. Well... What has to happen under the Remain in Mexico plan is they're not just released into the country to go do whatever they want to do until that hearing in that federal immigration court is going to happen back down in south close to the border. That's the process that has put 2 million immigrants loose across the United States just since Biden took office. What is happening, they're going to have to go back across the border to a facility that the Mexican government has there, has created, and they must remain in Mexico until that hearing is going to happen. So obviously, immigrants that were working the system before the Remain in Mexico plan came into place and now after the Biden administration ended it again, what they've been doing, they know the process is going to let them stay in America the process is never going to be able to find them. They're just not showing up for those hearings, and they're just going to melt into the, uh, uh, the landscape of America, which is what they've been doing for generations. Novel idea. A president comes along, and he wants to enforce the border laws. That was Donald Trump. A bureaucrat, a lifer in Congress and in politics in the U.S., takes... The Oval Office is his and he immediately begins to do what bureaucrats do, ignore the law, ignore the enforcement of law, making it okay to do whatever they want to be done, thumbing their noses at federal law about it, and that anybody disagrees with them is a tyrant, uh, un-American, whatever you want to call oh, excuse me, racist, xenophobe, all of those names that have been used to denigrate anybody that is conservative or supports the rule of law. It's interesting, though. The news about this, the compliance, the plan to comply to the court order from this administration didn't come from the White House. It came from somebody at DHS. I can't wait for Jen Psaki to be in a White House press briefing. Probably won't happen till next week. Now that this news has come out, for Peter Ducey of Fox News to ask her and say, well, what are y'all doing? Why did y'all agree to do this when you told us it was illegal? You told us that what Trump was doing with this Remain in Mexico policy would be cause irreparable damage, and it was inhumane, and now you are going to do it again? Give us an explanation for it. It's going to be interesting to see what she has to say. There's another thing that has come to light over the last couple of days that's pretty, it's pretty scary. And it's about this Build Back Better bill. Biden folks say it's $1.7 trillion. If it's actually truthfully vetted, it's going to be closer to $4 to $5 trillion if it ever happens. But guess if it's passed and signed into law, what's included in it? The bill will allow the cartels in Mexico and Central America to receive taxpayer funds, U.S. taxpayer funds, for smuggling more foreign children and youngsters into U.S. schools, neighborhoods, and jobs. So this thing is, next week, it's going to be begun being debated in the Senate. There's also a provision in there, we are told, as of yesterday, for a tax credit for illegal aliens who have children that are here in the U.S. That's former Border Patrol Chief Mark Morgan. Think about that, he said. You can illegally enter our borders as a family, and then you're going to be rewarded by being paid to have your kids here illegally. This is obviously going to act as an incentive for more illegal immigration negatively impacting our border security, impacting every aspect of our nation's public health, safety, national security, education department, economy, labor market, right on down the line. The Democrats' offer of money to the foreign parents of foreign kids will likely fit within the Senate special rules for debate over the so-called reconciliation bill. I think the Social Security number provision is not going to be voted out by the parliamentarian, so it's going to be a really salient point for another month, this expert added. The new giveaway will worsen the problems created by the 2008 update to Victims of Trafficking and Violence Protection Act. That was put in place by Congress, by the way, in 2000. That act was unanimously passed. It gave special protections to kids, but it's now used by the cartels to, for money, deliver kids to their illegal alien parents here in the United States and to deliver young laborers to labor traffickers all around the United States. Since 2008, this law has been used to move more than 350,000 unaccompanied alien children into the U.S., most of whom are young men looking for work. Five days ago, a Bloomberg report on the labor trafficking, a story about it, was published. Here's what it says. The Health and Human Services, Homeland Security, and Labor Departments investigated the enterprise situation but they couldn't track down most of the minors who were placed with sponsors within it. That's according to people familiar with the investigation. It's not uncommon for federal officials to lose contact with unaccompanied children after their release from government custody. The dead end in the Enterprise case highlights gaps in the federal system designed to care for kids who cross the border and come in without parents. So the cartels they're going to jump all over this. They're going to look at that payment structure when it's revealed and say, hey, we can exploit that. There are people right now who despite wanting to come in legally can't afford the thousands of dollars that we might charge them. Now, even if they can't afford it, we're going to be happy to take them north because they, once we get them in, then the government will help pay us and the coyotes for bringing them here. It'll be like getting a monthly check month after month after month. So you're going to have the equivalent of having a government-backed illegal alien enforcement mafia where the same people who bring the migrants here will now be coming around to pick up their monthly checks from Uncle Sam. The same people who are connecting the cartels to the drug gangs are going to use those same gangs as their enforcers to collect cash and send it back to Mexico. They're going to put it in the same money laundering scheme that they've already got in place now for their sex trafficking, drug trafficking, and now it's going to be kid trafficking. You're going to incentivize some of the most violent gangs that exist, and the cartel members directly in some cases, to come buy new homes of these illegal aliens in the U.S. and harass them and take those taxpayer checks. The illegal migrants will pay those checks to the cartels because the cartels have so much clout in their home countries and their family members, immediate and extended family members back there. It's going to be blackmail out the wazoo. They'll never be able to walk away from in the same way that a little bodega couldn't walk away from the mob in New York City. They won't be able to get out from the cartels. They're going to continue paying taxpayer-funded checks forever because they need the cartels to bring their friends and family up north. Now, many Democrats understand that these welfare checks for the foreign kids are going to encourage more illegal immigration. They already know that. They knew it when they prepared the bill. They know what's going on, but they know they can't say what their real true true goal is, which is actual open borders with open, uncontrolled migration, both ways. This is a step toward getting rid of borders. It's a globalist mindset. It welcomes anything that moves towards open borders. Now, let me tell you something. I make that as a statement of fact. And I am totally open to somebody to come on here and give me another explanation of this process that is in Joe Biden's Build Back Better bill that I've renamed the Build Back Stupid bill. Give me another explanation for this one specific section to be in this bill and sell it to our listeners as being plausible. I dare you. 866-37-TRUTH. 866-378-7884. I won't get in your face. I want to listen to your facts. You want to hear another travesty? You're going to love this one. Fairfax County Public Schools. (laughs) Virginia. Them in Loudoun County. Boy, they're always in the news, right? Well, Fairfax County reinstated a couple of books. You remember months ago, parents condemned... They said it, those books contain obscenity and pedophilia, claiming that two committees of school administrations, library uh, librarians, some parents and students determined the books did not contain pedophilia and did not violate regulations by including obscene material. Lawn Boy by Jonathan Evison includes long sections of a boy reminiscing about explicit experience he had at age 10 with Older Gender Queer, a memoir by Maya Kubabi including photos of sexual acts between a boy and a man. But that's not obscene. That doesn't violate the regulations about obscenity in textbooks, folks. Fairfax County Public Schools announced it has restored the books to libraries after two committees reviewed them. One committee found that Lawn Boy includes themes that are, quote, are affirming for students with marginalized identities. This is a quote. There is no pedophilia in the book. The other committee found that Gender Queer depicts difficulties non-binary and asexual individuals may face. The committee concluded that the book neither depicts nor describes pedophilia. The robust committee process took place over several weeks and considered whether the books flouted regulations by being obscene or harmful to juveniles as is defined by the Code of Virginia. That's according to a press release. After careful consideration, neither books were were deemed to have fallen foul of these regulations. So a lady named Stacy Langton, she happens to be the Fairfax County mother who confronted the school board with pictures from the book back in September. She said all of this is, quote, very intellectually dishonest. Unless Fairfax County Public Schools is using a different dictionary Pedophilia means adults having sex with children, and that is precisely what is being depicted in the particular panel in Gender Queer. She said that in an interview two days ago. You guys in the press have been in a quandary since you can't broadcast the images because it obviously violates FCC regulations. The FCC says the materials can't be broadcast because they're obscene, but Fairfax County Public School says they're not obscene. <laughs> how does a committee come to the conclusion that these materials are not obscene when nobody can print them or broadcast them at a national level? Bingo. She quipped, it's okay for the kids, just not for the rest of America. It is beyond comprehension to this old man how and even why any educator at all would even take a remote chance to put something in the eyes and ears of kids at any level that is even marginally questionable and could even possibly hurt them and give it any credibility. And these same people, these same educators would say if they were sitting here right now, they would say, Dan, we're not telling them to do anything. We're just giving them all of the information with which they're going to be able to make their own determinations. And you and I both know, they've they've already been saying that. You and I both know that is the height of insanity for adults to take that kind of approach and would just infer and give an open door to the purveyors of everything that goes along with that philosophy. It's hard for me to believe they are actually American people, thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands, maybe millions, that think it's okay for adults to have sex with children. And we're not talking about teenagers, folks. We're talking about Kids in grammar school, middle school, high school. We're talking about those that are far away from being mature enough to comprehend and make any choices. And the ultimate tragedy is these educators and administrators, they're bypassing the parents of these kids. They're actually taking the position and are operating top down and their thought process begins and ends right here. Parents They don't have authority to teach these kids. That's what the government gives us power to do. Therefore, we have the power to determine what their kids are going to learn at public school. And as this continues to grow and keeps growing, folks, you can book it. Private school around the nation, not just Christian schools, but private schools of every kind, are going to continue to see their enrollment skyrocket. What happens on the other side? Public school accomplishment and accomplishment in the lives of public students that go to these schools is gonna continue to decline. And America is gonna finally awaken and realize that we've been in public education windfall for decades. And it may be too late for the public education system to even survive. More in a minute. So
3: you guys grew up together? Yes, since third grade. (laughs)
4: What are you at? I'm not looking at it. We're not good
5: enough for you. You look for something else? No, I don't know. What do you, That's big it. supermodels? <laughs> oh, Jesus, Jesus, supermodels! Great. What are you, model gloves? What are you doing? A girl's totally into me. Brad, right. eat a Snickers. Why? Because you get a little angry when you're hungry. Better? Better. So, ladies. So, losers.
4: Stacy, relax. I'm oh, sorry.
5: You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies.
6: Ladies, we ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity. Our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes for insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. And please forgive us for never washing our hands, ever. Schneider, the beer with the exact maturity for the man who's in the process.
2: Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar, or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' go-to's now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium hot coffee for three dollars. A bacon with cream cheese spread and a medium hot coffee for four dollars. A bacon egg and cheese croissant with a medium hot coffee for five dollars. Or a power breakfast sandwich and you guessed it, a medium hot coffee for six dollars. Dunkin' go-to's now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation
0: may vary. Exclusions apply. Limited time offer. The truth and Dan Newman. Goes together like beans and rice, brats and kraut, you and the future. TNN, the Truth News Network.
1: Rice and beans, I'm good with. I don't know about that sauerkraut thing. I hadn't got into that yet. Well, every day we see the uh, cover of the Biden Bill Back Better, omnibus bill being pulled back. We're learning more and more about it. And every day we do, we get more frightened at its contents. New York Congresswoman woman Claudia Tenney weighed in about some specifics in the bill early this morning. Listen to this conversation.
2: President Biden's massive social spending bills heading to the Senate next week. It comes as the NPR Marist released a new poll on President Biden's approval rating, dropping to lows of 42 percent approval. Joining me now, Congresswoman Claudia Tenney. Uh, the Congresswoman sits on both the Foreign Affairs Committee and the Small Business Committee. Congresswoman, always a pleasure to see you. Does this monstrosity, this spending monstrosity, have a shot in the Senate, in your view?
4: Let's ho- let's hope not. Uh, I. Just to coin a phrase from the, my days in the New York State Assembly, we used to call big omnibus bills the big ugly. This is the biggest big ugly I've ever seen. And there's so many parts of this, you know, especially the part dealing with giving amnesty and, and uh, free reign to illegal immigrants. Uh, that's probably going to come out with the parliamentarian. But there's so much else in this bill that's going to really harm our business community, including over 70 percent of energy is now going to be taxed. That's going to affect people that are in the lower lower income levels and also our small business community. You're going to see this huge uh, you know, new core of IRS agents all getting pensions mm-hmm. and health care and, and being empowered to go after our small business community. I've just spoken with a few of them over the last few days. You know, they're, they're terrified of getting audited. They can't afford lawyers uh, to protect them in these situations. And so it's going to be a nightmare for us. And as we are here on Black Friday, uh, you were just speaking about uh, the looting and the other problems that are happening with the small business community pushing people online. This is also going to have a devastating effect on on uh, our small business community, and they're dri- they drive our economy, particularly in upstate New York, where over ninety five percent of our business is actually and our employers are are actually small businesses.
2: James Freeman, jump in here.
4: <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, Congresswoman, lots to uh, be concerned about in this, and I, I guess on the we've been talking about the the spending surge of this era, this is really gonna create more of it. And also the the disincentives to work, I guess that's what I worry about is, is the uh, the the surge in benefit programs. I, I know uh, Casey Mulligan at uh, the University of Chicago and others have warned about, this is going to exacerbate this problem where you, you further discourage people from work, adding new benefits of various kinds. Um, could we, could we see an even tighter uh, labor shortage after this thing passes, if it does?
1: There are so many unknown things about this thing. And every day we find one more little tidbit about the Build Back Better not being so much Build Back Better. And don't you dare question any of them about it. They know better than you and I do. And that's what this is all about. Top-down power over the people. You and me. Hey, listen. Thank you for being here today. Glad you had uh, the day after Turkey Day that you shared with us. We'll back in the saddle on Monday first thing, nine to eleven. We've got our bullet points offering tomorrow, where we pick the top stories of the week. We bring you details just to make sure you didn't miss anything important. So as you um, spend the day eating some of the leftover pecan pie and turkey and dressing. Just relax a little bit. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday morning here at Truth News Network. TNN Live. See you then, folks. Long
6: ago And oh so far away I fell in love with you Before the second show It's just the rain.